Hello everyone, my name is Kat and welcome back to my coven. I'm happy to have you back here today as we continue our saga about Skinwalker Ranch. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to part one to hear the Sherman family's encounters on the property. But today we're going to talk about Robert Bigelow and the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NID. Robert Bigelow made his money through the real estate and hotel scene, but he always had an interest and curiosity in the unknown. He started NIDS, which was a privately funded research organization that conducted investigations on paranormal events, fringe science, and UFO sightings. The scientists of NIDS weren't just people who failed in their field of study, they were PhD professors that were very qualified. Bigelow was careful to recruit only scientists with a skeptical frame of mind, people who would search for rational explanations. There were 25 members of the NIDS team. In 1996, when the Sherman family went to the paper about the activity on the ranch, it immediately caught the attention of NIDS. In many ways, this presented a great opportunity for NIDS, seeing as they could have a laboratory on field away from the public eye and study the phenomenon that was stated to be occurring on a regular basis. Within a matter of weeks, the NIDS team met with the Sherman family and purchased the property from them. The family was overall desperate to move out besides Terry Sherman. Terry was a proud man and wanted to learn more about the occurrences that pushed him and his family off of the property. He wanted some sort of closure, so Terry became the ranch manager for the NIDS team. Along with the ranch, they purchased livestock to use as bait, and Terry housed some of his cattle there for the same reason. Along with the ranch, they purchased livestock to use as bait, and Terry housed some of his cattle there for the same reason. The field team consisted of four scientists and a group of assistant investigators who watched the ranch 24-7. The field team's purpose was to collect and analyze evidence and present it monthly to the NIDS board. The first thing that they did on the property was run a few tests. The events described by the Sherman family were varied and bizarre. It was difficult to pinpoint any one explanation. Their initial thoughts that were the encounters possibly had something to do with the environment or the psychological health of the family. They wondered if the family was seeking attention, maybe mass delusion or some sort of water or food contamination. Did the ranch have areas with intense electromagnetic fields? Were there any fault lines running through the property that could have caused the family to see light anomalies or other visual hallucinations? The short answer to all these questions was no, but it would take longer to answer some of the questions, especially in regards to the psychological factors. Despite this, aside from UFOs seen in the sky, the remainder of 1996 was uneventful for NIDS, and they were initially hesitant of the stories they were told from the Sherman family, although this would change in the coming year. The longer the team spent on the ranch, the more they would come to realize the Sherman family may not have been lying. In March of 1997, Terry and Gwen had been tagging their cattle, and they walked across the field to the south. While they were doing this task, a dog that had been with them began to growl. It appeared as if the dog was on edge, staring back at the household. Terry and Gwen followed its gaze, and noticed that the mother of a calf was limping back and forth, clearly unsettled. When they ran over to investigate, they found her calf on the ground. Parts of the calf were missing, including organs, but there was no blood visibly soaking in the ground, and the cuts were surgically precise, which baffled the NIDS veterinarian. The ear that the family had tagged less than 45 minutes ago had also been sliced off. This occurrence happened in broad daylight, in full view of the Shermans, and yet they hadn't seen or heard anything. The NIDS vet reported that no animal he knew of could have done such a thing, and he asked the Shermans if they had noticed anything unusual prior to the incident. They both reported they smelled a very heavy musk in the area. 
After this, the NIDS team began to search for tracks in the area, and they had noticed that the dogs that were previously outside huddled inside as if they were afraid of something. The team had placed observation towers on the property, all of which were surrounded by these kennels. They kept the dogs since they have the ability to sense things that humans cannot. The dogs seemed to be refusing to leave the shelter after this event, and they were confused as to why. One night around 11pm, the dogs were howling and barking at something. The NIDS team and Terry headed out due to the commotion. Once they got there, they scanned the area with their lights, noticing a pair of yellow eyes sitting about 20 feet up in one of the trees. Terry immediately reached for his rifle, aiming it towards the creature. He saw the outline of a massive animal, and being upset about what had happened to his cattle, he fired. A loud thud was heard once he shot as the beast had fallen out of the tree. Once they arrived to where they believed the creature's body would be, there was no sign of the animal under the tree or anywhere else in the area. Once the team had spread out, Terry was heard shouting, claiming to find the creature, and shot at it more. Loud footsteps were heard as something rushed through the thicket, running away from them. By the time they reached Terry, the creature was gone. Terry claimed that it looked like a massive dog, but it was bipedal. As the rest of the month went by, there were no further incidents but the dogs and cattle continued to exhibit unusual behavior. They were on edge, almost as if they could sense there was a predator in the area. Soon after, however, the peace on the ranch would once more be broken. One of the most unusual tales from the property happened during this time. Terry had moved four of his prized Angus bulls to the property. Gwen made a comment about how devastating it would be if something were to happen to the bulls. They went to go do some tasks on the ranch that took them no more than an hour. After finishing everything, they returned to the area where the bulls were supposed to be. Their hearts skipped a beat as they noticed that the animals were missing from the corral. The fence was still tightly locked, and right next to the corral, there was a trailer that hadn't been used in years. Terry had a feeling, and he jumped up on a feeding bin while searching for them and happened to look in the trailer. It shocked him to see that all four bulls were standing inside and seemed to be in a trance. As he shouted to his wife that they were there, they broke out of their state and panicked. It took the Sherman family about two hours to retrieve the bulls after this. The NIDS team was in utter disbelief, knowing there was no way that those four bulls would have gone into that trailer that easily. It even appeared as if they had teleported into the trailer. They found old cobwebs across the inside door panel and frame, showing that it hadn't been opened in a very long time. It was baffling since there was no other way that the bulls could have gotten into that trailer from the pen. Upon further investigation, the team found that the bars on the corral had been highly magnetized. Over time, the magnetization seemed to fade. Sometime later that month, Calm Kelleher was investigating strange prints when he was overtaken by a strong smell. There was nothing that Combe could associate the scent with. The feeling of immense dread took over him as the hairs on the back of his neck stood up and a chill ran down his spine. He could feel that something nearby was watching him. Combe brushed this feeling aside and continued his work. As time went on, the feeling went away and so did the strange odor. While speaking to a teammate that had been picking some olives nearby, he confirmed to Combe that he had felt the same way and also could smell the strange odor. Over the course of the year, the strange events had taken away any lingering doubt the NIDS team had felt about the ranch. Colm Kelleher and Eric Davis were out on nightly stakeouts in one of the most active locations on the ranch. The dogs that were with them suddenly started acting up, and Eric had a pair of night vision goggles on him. He turned around in the tree line before shouting, Jesus, there's something in the trees over there, something huge. Colm could not see anything, so he focused his camera on the trees. 
Cone began taking pictures when Eric suddenly shouted, It's got me! It's saying we're watching you! Eric kept muttering Jesus Christ over and over as if stuck in a loop, until finally the object began to move away. When it was over, Cone asked Eric what happened, and Eric said that he lost control of his mind. Eric was disturbed by what happened and was very jumpy for the rest of the night. In August, two team members would have one of the most terrifying experiences on the ranch. They were at the top of the ridge on the property. One of the investigators noticed that a light had appeared in the pasture about 150 feet below. It appeared to be growing in size, but this made Mike the investigator notice it wasn't a light, it was a tunnel. He said he could see through the other side. Mike was transfixed on the strange tunnel and shouted that there was something crawling out of it. Mike was in utter shock. He saw a large, black, featureless figure crawl out from inside the tunnel. Once it came out, it ran up the side of the ridge faster than what could have been humanly possible. It ran about 30 feet before disappearing into the forest. Afterwards, they noticed an eerie silence and a horrible odor in the air. The NITS team were having experiences that were just as terrifying as the Sherman family had faced. They also experienced the same orbs of light UFOs and cattle mutilations the family had faced. But then, in 1998, for some unknown reason, the activity on the property declined. It remained that way until the team finally gave up and left the property in 2004. They were unable to explain the strange happenings on the property after all these years and were disappointed in the outcome. Many speculate that the NIDS team failed to gather any evidence to back up these claims, which is partially true. They were able to record some of the anomalies, such as UFOs, but most of these occurrences happened at night and were not captured very well, just appearing to be bright lights in the night sky. Therefore, the NIDS board rejected these recordings. The conclusion the team came to was whatever phenomena was on the ranch did not want to be recorded and it did not want to be investigated. It always seemed to be in complete control and one step ahead of the team. According to NIDS, the equipment would malfunction at inopportune times as if the phenomena knew that they were waiting to record. Events were also claimed to occur outside of the camera's view or would be brief, gone before given the chance to record. Despite these unfortunate circumstances, there are well-documented eyewitness accounts, not just from the NIDS team, but from neighbors and residents in the Unita Basin. After this defeat, Robert Bigelow sold Skinwalker Ranch to Brandon Fugel. Under the circumstance that research would continue, currently there is a team stationed on Skinwalker Ranch along with the current show on the History Channel that I've been following along with. I'll continue to update this series as we learn more information about the property. All I know as of right now is that UFOs and strange electromagnetic fields along with cow mutilations are still being recorded on the property but other than that there's no major changes. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cat's Coven. I hope you enjoyed these supposedly true stories from Skinwalker Ranch. If you or someone you know has had an unexplainable encounter, make sure to reach out to me on cats.covenx at gmail.com. I have a website that's in the works to accept submissions in the future, but as always, stay safe out there.